Hi, friends. We're back for another episode of We're Going There. I'm your host, Bianca Wadis-Oltoff, and today I'm bringing something just a little bit different. I invited my friend, Nicole Crank, to join the show and share her powerful testimony. If this feels different, you're right. I'm a firm believer of sharing personal stories because there is power in your testimony. The Latin root for testimony is testis, meaning witness. Being a witness of our personal story helps us recover and help others do the same. There is power in sharing your testimony. Well, why is sharing your testimony important? Because we as humans, we thrive off of connection. It's something that needs to survive and thrive in our lives. Trauma and adversity produce high levels of shame and create psychological and emotional barriers that actually prevent us from being able to connect with other people. Shame at its essence is the feeling of being different from others and not good enough. To alleviate shame, we must allow ourselves to open up and share things that we feel shameful about. The antidote to shame is connection and connection is created through vulnerability. The courage to share our testimony, our story with others, despite the fear of judgment or criticism. When we share our truth with others and they respond with empathy, compassion, and relate, this relieves shame on a massive level. I'm so grateful for Nicole's story and hope that you find encouragement and resilience while listening to her. And one more fun thing to include. In September, we'll be celebrating one year as a podcast. I've got some great tricks up my sleeves and some shows I can't wait to share with you. But one of those shows are going to be a hot seat with me and with you. So if you want to spend some time in the hot seat asking whatever, whenever, however, so that we could officially go there, you can email podcast at in the name of love.org. And let me say that again. It's podcast at in the name of love.org. And producer Madi is going to pick three amazing people who are going to do the show with me as we dissect and discuss amazing things that eh, some people don't want to talk about because why not go there? Nicole, thank you for being on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. I am so glad to be here for a million reasons. One of which being, I think you're one of the only people I know that are as crazy as I am. You know, we're a little, we're a little eccentric is what I like to say. Um, people can say crazy. I like to say eccentric, but I am. Yes. I think the first time that we met, you were wearing like red checked pants and you had a black leather jacket that had patches on it. And you were serving a full look. Okay. I mean, I mean like girl, HTT head to toe, you were serving a full look. So I was like, who is this girl? And then I come to find out that you are a church planter. You are a, a pastor. You are a mom. And now looking finer than China, you a grandma. Oh my gosh. Yes. I don't, I can't believe I'm a grandma and I can't believe you remember the outfit. Cause I yes, mean, it like left a, an indelible mark sister <laughs> a, a decade ago. And I think that outfit was as quirky as I am. Quirky is the word that I kind of use, but I, you know what I'm really grateful for. I'm grateful for friends like you who are authentically you and it just, it's, it just works. And I'm excited about people who are Christians nowadays because Christians don't have to be perfect. Christians can be human. Christians can be in the process of being transformed. And like, that's my whole story is like, God told me a long time ago, he said, Hey, you're going to have to share your pain for other people's gain because that's your call. Absolutely. And I'm like, God, I want to be the person who just like preaches a house down. I want to be the person who's just like, you know, has this deep words and a Jake's vocabulary, but yet, no, he's <laughs> like, no, you're the girl who got hurt and let me show myself strong through you. And I'm like, okay, that, that's my gig. That's who I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know what? One of the things that I have come to learn and know about you is there has been this theme that has followed you in life. And yet you just, the word that comes to mind when I think of you is resilient, 
So I knew a little bit about your story, but then now diving into more of your story, I mean, there, I, I hate to use the word, these words and kind of start so heavy, but girl, you got a heavy testimony. And when I say resilient, I think people need to know the depths, the pits mm -hmm. that you have been pulled from for a purpose. And I love some alliteration in the nation. So I'm <laughs> all about that. But literally, <laughs> I mean, this, this starts back from some deep childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And deep childhood trauma is not the easiest topic to talk about. So before we dive into that, I want to talk about who Nicole is today. So mm -hmm. before we go into yesterday and yesteryear, I want to know who is this woman that I am talking to and that we get to listen to today. You know what I love about God is that the depths of your wounds do not determine the height of your future. And he gave me a whole slingshot analogy. I'll tell you guys about it in a minute, but so there's some highlight reel I'm going to get, I'm going to share with you, but I just want to, I don't share it out of bragging or trying to impress. It's if God can do stuff like this with a girl like me, there's no telling he can do what he can do with anybody because I lived a third of my life on a gravel road. And I mean, that's part of the best part of my story you know, is that I'm from the backwoods in the middle of nowhere. And yet um, when I was in the corporate world, I quit my job. When I quit my job, um, I was doing really good in telecom sales back in the 90s. And I was making $100,000 a month. And that's what I quit. Why did I quit? Because God called me to serve in my father-in-law's church of 180 people and they needed help and they couldn't afford to pay anybody. And God just whispered to me and my husband and said, you've got enough money, go help. So I just went to work full-time volunteer for four years, didn't get paid a dime. And you know what? God met all of our needs. And when my father-in-law went to heaven unexpectedly, my husband and I, who was the worship leader, associate pastor, head parking lot sealer, janitor. I mean, there was like three of us on staff, right? We did all the jobs. We just hoped to keep the church afloat. And in the next year, God gave us our mission and vision. And we went from 180 people to 200 people. And two years later, we were at 2000. Mm. The next year, we started a second campus. It was 2008. We didn't know you could even do that. And we doubled in size. And then we kept growing and growing and growing to now we have a church of about 20,000 members. Um, I spent the past five years going back and forth between two states on campuses, speaking every weekend at our church. And God just keeps increasing us and multiplying us. And for 17 years, I was our church's executive pastor. And today I got to pass off all the budgets and CFO stuff to some other very willing people. I'm excited about it and just lean into the ministry side of what he has me called to do. And I say all that to say this, Bianca. Your past might have happened to you, but God happens through you. And if we can leave our past where it belongs, it's in the past. And you are not defined by your past. You are prepared by your past for the future that God has for you. So it doesn't matter what happened to you. And I had a whole bunch of junk. Sometimes life is crap. And the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter about the crap of your past. You are prepared to face the giants of your future. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and you become a warrior for the king. And so when the giants come, you become like David and you're like, I slew the freaking lion and I slew the freaking bear. And today I'm coming after you devil. So just get ready. Cause I'm feeding your son circumcised flesh to the bowels of the air. Don't mess with me. I'm mm. a Jesus girl, you know? So there's some people today you're like, they, the devil has punked you one too many times. And I'm telling you actually today 
today, if I told you, Bianca, what happened to me today, you, your mind would be blown. You would not believe it. Today has been, hell has come to me with a platter of just junk. And I'm here to tell you, not today, Satan, and tomorrow ain't looking good for you either. We are about the kingdom business. I love it. I love it. So you, I mean, this, this has been, I know that we were talking about how your past doesn't define you know, your future, but I think that like one of the things that people need to hear, like, where did you get this spunk from? Where'd you get this drive from? I mean, you were pregnant at 17 mm -hmm. and you chose to keep the baby. Mm -hmm. And so what was that like? I mean, you were, you were a high school student when you got pregnant. I was a high school student when I was pregnant. Mm. Um, I was born in Canada. Uh, my dad gave me up before I was born. I was adopted in the U.S. by my stepdad when I was three. I didn't find out about it until I was in fourth grade, which doesn't make any sense because I was in my parents' wedding, but as a 10-year-old, I didn't realize that was not the normal childhood experience. Like, <laughs> you're, you, you weren't in your parents' wedding, right? not? Because I didn't know how all the things worked. But 10 years old, fourth grade was the year I found out I was adopted. It was the year I found Jesus on my mom's living room floor with a little wordless book. And it was the year that I got molested by somebody in my neighborhood. Mm. And I've had people ask me, um, cause that's the stuff I write about. I write about how it happened, why it happened, the way that, that the enemy will lure you in with the very things he says you are missing. And the minute that he lures you in, he will twist it on you with shame and guilt and condemnation for the very things that he tempted you with is this big, bright, shiny apple to save you from the very things you thought you needed saving from. And as a 10 year old, I had so much guilt and shame on my head for how did I let this happen to me? Well, now I look at a 10 year old and I'm like, you're just a little baby. But when you're 10, you think, how did this happen to me? And when I was in fifth grade, I told one of my friends what happened to me finally after a year. But my plan wasn't very good because what does a fifth grade little girl do with a secret? Shares the secret. She tells everybody. Mm-hmm. So I was in a small town. We were poor. We were a one income family. My dad worked for the Chrysler factory, which got shut down in the eighties on an eight year layoff. My dad couldn't find a job for like two years. Cause neither could the other like 20,000 guys who got laid off in our town. And so he finally got it to be a janitor after a couple of years, we ate out of our garden and we got a brand new car. It was a station wagon with the wood grain on the side paneling. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you watch the Brady bunch, <laughs> except for ours was bought at the junkyard and the whole other side was completely sideswiped. So we were easy targets anyway, cause we didn't have money. But then when this happened, I remember walking about a mile and a half from our country house way on the back road, all the way up to where the bus would come. And after the bus would come down the street, I'd sit there and think, why do I have to get on this stupid bus? Because I would get on the bus and the bus driver would yell at me to sit down. And all of the kids would tell me not here. You don't. I couldn't sit with another kid. So if there wasn't an empty seat, I knew I'm going to be caught in the middle because if I sit with somebody, they're all going to gang up on me, call me names, tell me what I'm not, tell me everything about me that's true that I can't change and make up a whole bunch of other things. And I know that there's people listening right now that there's a bunch of stuff about you that's true. And there is a broken record in your head telling you everything that you have done that's happened to you or because of you. And yeah, it's true. I became a pregnant unwed mother when I was 17 years old because uh, there was a guy in my junior high who was doing community service and he'd heard all these rumors about me. So he thought I was an easy target. And so when I was in eighth grade, he raped me and then wanted to know what my problem was. And he said, these rumors about you must not be true. And I told him they're not. And he didn't, he didn't care. 
He just kept on about his business. So when I went to a new, new city, new county, new school district where nobody knew me, I had no idea that people would want to invite me to a party. My no had been taken away from me through molestation. My no had been taken away from me through rape, but I found out that my yes was powerful. So I became the biggest people pleaser you had ever seen. You want to go to a party? Yes. Well, we're going to drink. Yes. Yeah. We're going to smoke. Okay. Can I kiss you? Yes. Can I hold your hand? Yes. Do you want to? Yeah. I don't even know what it is, but yes. And yes was the answer that people liked. So yes was the answer that I always gave. And I became a pregnant unwed mother Mm. at 17 years old. So life had failed me to that point. But at that point I failed me. And I felt like I had to deal with the consequences of that. And that's what I just, people relate with so many different parts of just what happened to me between before birth and 17 years old, not even the fact of what happens next. When I find, I call him now Mr. Wrong, but I wouldn't step into the God opportunities God had for me because I had more baggage than an airport carousel. And I thought nobody could possibly want a girl like me. And here's the thing. There's people out there and you're thinking, no, but God, God couldn't want me. People couldn't want me. A church couldn't want me. A, a man couldn't want me. A woman couldn't want me. A job couldn't want me. Not somebody like me. And here's the deal. God sees through all the crap <laughs> that has happened to you and because of you. And he saw you before you were born and he knew who you were called to be. And Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says his gifts and his callings are irrevocable. You can't scare them away. You can't screw them up bad enough that God's going to take them back. He's like, I give you these gifts and I created you on purpose and I created you for a destiny. And if you don't step up and live it, there's going to be a whole eternity because you are not living out your potential. So I'm calling out to you right now from one hurt girl to wherever you are in life saying you don't have to live hurt because we serve a God who heals. I love that. So there has been like, again, this, this, the word that comes to mind is resilient. I mean, from, from fifth grade to eighth grade to junior year to senior year being pregnant, but then it's almost like it continues because you meet Mr. Wrong and (laughs) well, I mean, I'm, I'm wildly fascinated with the corporate side of you. And so you are thriving in one area of life and then yet you're met with Mr. Wrong. Take us on that journey. Hey friends, Interrupting the Podcast with a special update. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick. And therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join millions of people who are seeing what therapy really is about. See if it's for you, because you're your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com WGT. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash WGT. I never thought a guy would really want me. Now here I am single mom. My kid's a few years old. I've got this past. And yet there's this guy, high cheekbones, medical initials after his last name, good looking. And he was interested in me. 
Some of my friends told me he was a problem. My mom said she didn't like him, but I wrote that off because my mom doesn't like anybody. He wanted me for Pete's sake. So I made it, I made it work. I overlooked some things that in hindsight, when I look back, God was telling me, girl, you have no business here, but I couldn't listen to God right then because I was too busy trying to do self-help. There's a difference between self-help and spiritual help. The problem is, is if we could help ourselves, we would have all done it by now. <laughs> but when we let God heal us, we're healed for real. Yeah. I was trying to do self-help and I was trying to fill the holes in my heart and my past with the love of a man and not the love of a God. And so this man gave me fake love and we got married March 25th, 1995. I walked down the aisle. He cried. It was awesome. <laughs> and we went on our honeymoon and we came back and my birthday was April 19th, 1995. And that was the day of the Oklahoma city bombing. Oh, wow. Which I did not realize was an external natural prophetic picture of what was about to happen in my life and marriage. Oh, wow. Because on that Wednesday, he did not come home Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He didn't come home until Sunday. I had called the police department, filed a missing persons report. I had called every hospital. I called everybody we knew. And I called them all two or three times. I drove the route back and forth to where we worked together at a, at a fortune 500 company. I was a marketing director. I was in my early twenties. You know, he was, had a great title and he disappeared. And when he walked in the door that Sunday evening, he didn't open the door. The door flew open so hard. The door handle went into the drywall behind it. Wow. The back, the door opened to behind the couch. He, I was on the couch. He came around the couch. I stood up. I looked at him and I said, where have you been? Cause I literally thought he was dead and it was the wrong thing to ask him. And he literally erupted. Where have you been? What have you been doing? And what I didn't realize is that he had used crack cocaine for the first time. And when he was, uh, what I learned subsequently is when he would be coming down from a crack cocaine high, it made him extremely violent. So we go back in history because we went through rehab a few times. And as we were going through rehab, I found out he'd gotten addicted to prescription medication to keep him up for the shifts and, and down because he had been in a hospital before. And everybody at the hospital, he said, does cocaine to keep him awake for the double shifts, which makes me want to go to a hospital never. <laughs> <laughs> And this was the first time that the guy he got cocaine from just kept telling him, I don't have any, all I've had is rocks. All I have is rocks. All I have is rocks. And I had to ask him, what are rocks? He said that that's crack. And he's the first time he said, yes, he was instantly hooked. He ended up um, going through rehab and then he would come out. We'd have restoration in our marriage. It would be great for a few days, a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe two. Uh, then he would relapse. And we would start all over again. There would be restraining orders. He herniated my C7. He emptied our house of furniture. He sold, I, I went to work one day and I came home and my dining room and bedroom furniture were just gone. And there was a note on my kitchen counter and it was signed by a guy. His name was Doug. And <laughs> I called Doug and I'm like, Doug, because I, I knew Doug. And I said, why did you buy my dining room and living room furniture for $600? I still owe Ethan Allen on all this furniture. What are you doing? He said, Nicole, he was, he was going to sell it to somebody. It might as well be me. And I said, well, give it back to me. He's like, he's just going to sell it to somebody else. Oh. He sold all of our electronics out of our house to pawn shops. I knew where the pawn shops were. 
we ended up getting, uh, going bankrupt. We ended up foreclosed on. I couldn't sell the house. I couldn't repair the house. One time the ceiling fan was moving. Um, and he ripped the ceiling fan out of the ceiling while it was moving and threw it at me while it was moving. And this was my life. And it got to such a point where I had to I tell everybody, sent my son to his dad, told everybody I was going to Mexico, took a leave of absence from my job. And I went to Florida to take a job in a diner for cash, to live in a 0.5 star hotel, not a five-star hotel, Bianca. <laughs> 0.5, and the point is very important because the point is actually a roach and that is your roommate. <laughs> and um, that is at the point where I met God again because we had kind of looked to God for healing in that time. But to be honest, Bianca, we weren't serious about God. We were serious about, we thought about getting him clean, getting him sober, but not really just about pushing into God. And I read a chapter in my book called Looking Your Giant in the Eye, getting 20 seconds of insane courage. That's what I was going to ask you. you. You mentioned about this 20 seconds of insane courage. What did that look like and where did that come from? That came from me sitting on an itchy stained comforter with a shower that didn't work. And remembering being alone in junior high, it was a, just after Christmas and I was sitting in that room and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And God gave me the courage to go back to, to St. Louis, Missouri, where I was pretty sure I would die. He had put a gun in my mouth, not a Glock, not something where you pull back the thing and a bullet goes in and you can't see it. No, it was a revolver, like a John Wayne gun with a little round thing. And you can see all the bullets and he had put it up to my mouth and he had pulled the trigger and the bullet had not come out. And this was a time when he had come down, I was sitting on the edge of our bed and he had kind of been standing up and he kind of crouched down when he did that up in my face. And then he looked at the gun and he looked at me and he said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And to be honest, I mean, a lot of people listening have no idea who I am and this might make me sound bad, but I kind of, before that minute, I didn't care if he was alive or dead or as long as he didn't come after me, I, I didn't care about the rest until that moment. And I saw what was coming and I wanted him to lift really bad. And he put the gun to his own temple and he pulled the trigger again. And the bullet did not come out again. There were two miracles. Wow. In 120 seconds. Yeah. And he just proved to me that he is a miracle working God. And as people are walking down the street and as you're walking through life right now, you think you might think you walk weird or you just wiggle a little bit. And God's like, no, you don't just wiggle a little bit when you walk. I have the Holy Spirit move you and groove you in just such a way that you're actually doing matrix moves in the spirit. And as if the enemy is firing shots at you, God's protection, the blood of Jesus is protecting you. And they are going by mm. instead of landing where they're supposed to land. But that's what I was driving back to. And so um, I came back to St. Louis. And every time I passed an exit for almost 20 hours, there was a chance to turn around and go back to what seemed safe. Because I could have survived at that diner. I could have survived in that hotel. I could have survived in that life. But it's not what I was called to. And the part of life where you're numb and you're blacked out and you're just making it through and you're just trying to survive. And he, what, a, a, I talk about coping mechanisms and the coping mechanism of anger, the coping mechanism of fear, the coping mechanism of overachievement. 
coping mechanism of building emotional walls. And when you are numb and you don't even know it and you're sitting in this room of happy people and you're so grumpy, you just look around and you're like, why are all these freaking people so happy? You know, <laughs> like what is life so joyous about? Oh, you know, there's problems in the world. And that's because we're trying to cope in ourselves and self-help. And I'm not against, I'm not against therapy, therapy, Christian therapy can be great as long as it's coupled with seeking God and going after him because he is the only one who can heal. Okay. So when we talk about this, this movement from survive, because you literally been a survivor, a survivor of molestation, a survivor of rape, a survivor of abusive marriage, a survivor of corporate America. Okay. So how do you shift from survive to thrive? And you made, you alluded to it that of course it is like walking lock and step with the spirit of God, but what are the practical things that you did or have done or are doing that can help people move from just like surviving a day to thriving in life? One of the first things I did, Bianca, is I started going back. I needed accountability. Somebody to, that knew if I was showing up. And so I started going back with my parents to church on Sundays. And I went to their little country town, to their little country church with a little 30 people that I grew up with and judged me in high school. And, and I didn't care. And I went to church on Sunday morning. I took a nap at their house after we ate dinner on Sunday afternoon. And I went back to church on Sunday night. And here's the cool thing about God is when you take one step towards God, he will take 10 steps towards you. And that is when I met David. David asked me out for five months before I said yes. And the thing is, we try and avoid these God opportunities. And the really cool thing about God is he never asked us to be worthy. And matter of fact, he writes in his word, he writes in the Bible, there is none worthy. No, not one, not Bianca, not the Pope, not Mother Teresa, not Joel Osteen, not Billy Graham. Nobody is worthy. Not one single one of you. So quit trying to be worthy. God just asks us to be willing. Just be willing to try to repent and to get back up and trust him again, no matter what's been done to us or because of us. Yeah. And here's the thing, Bianca, my little boy who was born to me when I was 17 years old, he is 31 today. And don't any of y'all try and do the math. <laughs> <laughs> he is 31 years old today and he is in ministry. He is a campus pastor of one of our campuses. He's head of all of our Florida operations. He just gave me a grandbaby who is beautiful. He has been married six years to the same woman. They just had their first baby together. I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting on my couch praying. And I said, God, I can't be a preacher and my own dad go to hell. Help me find my biological dad because I can't spend eternity knowing that I should have looked him up and found him and told him about you. And God told me, you're not going to spend time with your natural dad. You're not going to spend time with your natural parents, but I'm going to make it up to you in time with your kids. Mm. And they had lived with us for about four years and they had just moved out. I'm like, uh, God, uh, not seeing what you're talking about here because in the natural, it looks completely opposite of what you just said. So there's that. And he didn't answer me because I was too sassy. So I just had to sit back and rest in his word of what he said. And about a year later, we bought a house and we, we'd all lived in a condo because they moved. I say they moved, but they moved into the same condo building we were in. <laughs> so we could walk to each other's house in pajamas, but it was still far for me. 
And we moved into this house and we said, Hey, we have an extra bedroom. We only live here 50% of the time because we got four churches in St. Louis. Would you want to live in this house? You'll take care of it. We're not here. It'll be your house 50% of the time. And then we'll be roommates, the other 50. And they said, you know what? We're going to sell our condo and move back in with you guys. And so in February, <laughs> on February 4th, right before COVID hit, we all moved in together. Oh, wow. And a year later in November, Liam, our grandson was born. So when I get up in the morning in Florida, I go downstairs and I have coffee holding my grandbaby and you have to see, you're forced to see him all over Instagram because that little baby is cute. I think that how you are living and what you have walked through to overcome is a testament of that word resilient. You literally have taken this journey of just surviving to literally thriving. I'm excited about your new book that's coming out. Their link will be in the show notes, but I can't wait for people to check out. I will thrive, find your fight to claim true freedom. And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you being on the show. But as we wrap up, what is What's that one thing, that one sentence that you want to give those who just feel like I'm so tired. I don't know if I could find my fight. I don't know what thriving looks like. What's that one sentence that you can give the listeners today? Way earlier in the show, I said that are the depths of your wounds do not determine the height of your future. And I said something about a slingshot and God told me if I pull back the slingshot a little bit and let it go, it doesn't go very far, but I never waste a hurt. And in my word, I said, I will make the devil pay seven times. And I bottle every tear in heaven. So if the devil dares to mess with my kids, he might your heel, but you will crush his head. And he said, I pull that slingshot back to the very depths of your pain before I bother to let it go. And when I let you go, you go so much further and so much faster is I propel you forward to places you would have never gone. That's how I make the devil pay for messing with my kids. So my sentence to you is this. If you look out in the world and you see bleak and dark and hurt right now, give God a minute. Give him faith, hope, and trust. And watch him blow your mind. Nicole, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for teaching so many people how to not just survive, but to thrive. We appreciate you. I love you, Bianca. And I'm so appreciative for this opportunity. Friends, not only does sharing our testimony help heal us, but our story can be a catalyst for healing for other people as well. The emotional identification that happens when you hear another person tell a similar story of suffering helps you know you're not alone. It gives you hope that you too can heal and be brave enough to tell your truth one day. When we hear stories like ours, we know that we are not alone. We no longer feel different or apart from other people. We begin to see that we are whole and worthy of belonging. To find out more about Nicole or any of her amazing resources, you can follow her on social media at Nicole Crank. One of my favorite new resources that she had come out is I Will Thrive, A Fight to Reclaim Your True Freedom. It's her most recent book that came out this summer, and there will be a link in the show notes for you to go directly to Amazon and get the book. Thanks for listening in today, friends. Can't wait to connect next week. 